Another Jets game, another dominant victory with Winnipeg thrashing the Arizona Coyotes 6-2, finishing off the dad's trip with a wonderful victory, tons of good vibes, and perhaps one of the strongest performances of the season, the Jets are riding high. We'll dive into all of that on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, Jets fans, and welcome to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Stay tuned to hear more about how LOCKEDON, or how GameTime can save you more uh, on your, your next concert tickets and also save you time. So, like I said, right at the top of the episode, the Jets have just finished cruising through Arizona, capping off a big uh western road trip it was like the mentors trip with a lot of the you know team dads and everything and you know the jets swept it let's be real right the jets had six games in eight days and won every single one and i think for a lot of reasons that would be impressive in and of itself but i would say the way that the jets have done these games and how they've generally outplayed their opponents in almost every single game and really had what I would say uh, our massive team wins is very impressive. Like, I don't care if they're really bad teams, right? You had Anaheim, you had San Jose, and you had Minnesota uh, before, of course, Kaprizov got injured, uh, or at least for one of the games. And you've had the Yotes who've struggled recently, but you also had Tampa Bay. And even against bad teams, right, you can still any given Sunday, you know, have one of those kind of moments, right? Anyone can win in this league. There's parity. You know, sometimes the puck just doesn't bounce your way. And yet the Jets made their victories, right? You saw it throughout the entire trip. It was a tremendous success. The vibes were immaculate. And Winnipeg came away with victories. And perhaps the most impressive win came on, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon. The Jets basically ate through the Arizona Coyotes. It was 60 straight minutes of Winnipeg just paddling the Yotes, which Look, I get it. The Yotes haven't been great recently. Uh, They've had a lot of trouble, whether it's conceding tons of goals, having trouble uh, with their PK, you know, not really scoring a lot and generating much offensively. And yet the Jets, I mean, they still dominated, right? Like this team has played a lot of games in a one week span and Winnipeg played like they'd basically just gotten off the jet after like two months off. Winnipeg didn't really show any signs of rest. They were fast. They were aggressive. They were fresh, and you would not have guessed that they had just had this much hockey in the span of like eight calendar days leading into this game. So, you know, all credit to Winnipeg. They looked hungry for the win. They took care of business, and you had contributions all up and down the lineup. You had a couple of goals from the top line. You had depth players like uh, Appleton, Lowry, and Niederreiter contributing. 
you had one really funny goal that Perfetti was credited with. At first, I thought it was actually Niederreiter, and I'm pretty sure from the footage that I saw, it did look like Nino's stick, but somehow the official scores changed it, so whatever, not going to complain about that. Um, I guess if, if I have to pick like standout performances, right, the first I would say is Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers was everywhere. He had himself a great goal and an assist. He had a couple of really dangerous chances that Vimelka had to stop, and I was just overall really impressed with his game. He actually gifted Shifley a great breakaway goal uh, later in the game. This one was a brilliant pass from the neutral zone, found Shifley clean through uh, past two Yotes defenders, and Mark just kind of did Mark. I mean, he uh, pounded the net. It was exactly what you wanted to see, and for a first line that's been generating tons of opportunities, it was nice to actually see them get rewarded for it. Velarde was funny enough actually snake-bitten throughout this whole game. He probably had a good four or five close-in chances that either he just barely missed or, uh, you know, had Vimelka save that he could have scored on. I mean, he was buzzing down low and doing all of the stuff that you're used to him really doing and being effective at and just came so close to... Uh, capitalizing on a few of, uh, of those opportunities. Funny enough, though, this was also one of the first games in ages where Hellebuck was under a 900 save percentage, and he only conceded two goals, which tells you that, well, the Yotes really didn't test him much. He had a very quiet night, relatively speaking, and the second goal only happened because he misplayed a bit of a, a, a bit of a greasy puck, and it ended up in a Dylan uh, Gunther uh, wraparound. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a bit of an amusing thing. I guess he got bored and wanted to try a little bit of puck handling. Perhaps maybe not do that again. I think we can avoid having any of those mistakes. What is kind of funny is like, that's one of the first mistakes I can remember in months from Heli. We're used to him usually having one of these or a couple of these early in the season, but this time he's been really clean handling the puck. Maybe he's taken some lessons from Michael Berdin, who's uh, playing overseas, I don't know. But either way, a really dominant victory. Also nice to see Nemesnikov get another goal. This one was um, from from some hard work from Perfetti. Perfetti actually wasn't credited with the assist because he and Ayafalo were grinding in the corner, and I think they were pinning Sean Dursey along the wall. And Dursey, like under pressure, kicked the puck out like with a stick or something straight back, and it found Nemesnikov right in the slot, a very bad turnover, and Nemesnikov just annihilated that puck into the back of the net. So... Great goal. Uh, really fun to see that Nemesnikov continues to be uh, a huge part of this team. I know I shouted him out earlier uh, on, I think, yesterday's episode or maybe a previous episode, but long and short of it is he's been one of the best low-cost additions. And uh, actually, he and, and Niederreiter are both going to be a topic of discussion later in this episode as part of a bigger thing talking about this Jets renaissance, I guess the Jetsessance, is that is that something I can say uh, that we're seeing with this team? It's been a really marvelous run. But before we kind of talk about that, I, I did want to talk a little bit about just enjoying the moment, because I think for a lot of us over the years, we've been a little bit jaded, right? We've kind of had moments where this team has gone on pretty good runs. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a collapse, right? A second half season collapse. Uh, or there's like a star player who gets injured and suddenly the playoff run ends very abruptly. Something happens, somebody gets suspended. There's been a lot of stuff that's kind of held the Jets back. And then, you know, there's just Winnipeg's general underperformance. We've seen many years of this team not really living up to expectations. You know, Winnipeg for a team that people have traditionally sort of overlooked has had one of the more talented rosters 
and not really done a lot with it over the years. Uh, past couple of seasons, I think we've really seen them start to scrape the bottom of the barrel when it comes to like, you know, roster depth and stuff. But like in the seasons immediately following 2017, 2018, there were big expectations for this team and the Jets unfortunately fell a bit short. For once though, I think we're finally seeing what this team really can be. And, you know, obviously a lot happened to get to this point, but sometimes you just have to sit back and enjoy the ride. You know, you're, you're only going to have a certain number of these magical runs and moments perhaps in your lifetime. And in this particular instance, the Jets are on a run that is maybe once in a lifetime. And I'll talk about why it's really important to kind of treasure that and enjoy it while you have it. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Game Time. When it comes to buying event tickets, whether it's to your latest uh, hockey game or concert, you know, it, it's a pain in the butt, right? Everyone has had to deal with lots of fees, hidden charges. Uh, sometimes you get a blind seat assignment and you're not actually sure where you're, where you're sitting. And you find out that, well, you get to the arena and guess what? You're behind a pillar. You, you just spend a few hundred bucks to sit behind a giant obstructed view. Nobody wants that. And game time totally gets it. That's why they offer in-venue views from your seat so you'll actually know what you're paying for. And they also offer special deals like last-minute uh, ticket sales, flash deals, and so much more. And of course, they always come back with the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and so much more. Game Time understands that, you know, time and money is really important, especially when you want to go and have fun and live in the moment. So if you're ready to take the guesswork out of buying tickets, download Game Time, uh, create an account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everydayers, thank you so much for rejoining us on tonight's episode as we are diving into Winnipeg Jets hockey and what I would say is living in the moment and enjoying it more than anything, uh, savoring it, treasuring it, and kind of you know cherishing it because runs like what the Jets are on right now don't come very often. Now, before we talk about why I think it's really important to value this moment and really enjoy it and relish it. I just wanted to shout out something really cool the Locked On Podcast Network is doing. We have launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with our local experts and our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, like I said, the Jets are are on a run to remember. And it's actually, it is an historic run, if we're being honest. Winnipeg, I believe, has gone 28 or 29 straight games, conceding three goals or less. And they are only the second team in NHL history since 1967 to do that. Winnipeg is on a, a heater like very few others. Think about it, right? How many regulation losses have the Jets really had over the last couple of months? It's been very, very few. The Jets have had like nine total regulation losses on the season. And the fact that we're already through um, game number 39 now, and the Jets have quite frankly gotten points out of 30 of those games is just unbelievable. This team is on a different level. And I think we've really seen Winnipeg kind of come into its own. And it's funny because I don't know that anyone really expected the team to be this good. 
After the offseason the Jets had, I did think Winnipeg would be fighting for a top seed in the Central Division, but I didn't expect like President's Trophy level performances. And that for Winnipeg is a rarity. The Jets have never really been in first in the way that they are right now leading not only the division, the conference, but the whole league, right? The Jets have never really done this. And for Winnipeg to have not only done this in a relatively sustainable way and, and really felt like they've deserved it, to see them sustain it for, uh, you know, what's been a, a really strong run up until this point is just amazing. This team has accomplished something that not many teams can really say that they've seen in a season like even teams that have won the stanley cup haven't always been at the top of the league right so this is a rare moment uh for the jets it seems like they're intent on keeping it going for as long as possible and with the current stretch of games that they're facing the jets might legitimately be in first for a good few weeks which is pretty freaking awesome winnipeg has climbed to the top of the summit and from here on they just want to coast and stay up there uh obviously i know a lot of people are going to be um, superstitious and say oh, you know, it's the president's trophy curse. But let's be real. That part probably doesn't really exist. But I think it is important to just enjoy this moment because like I said earlier and alluded to the fact that this, this stuff just doesn't really happen, especially for a team like the Jets. We're not really used to a level of success where Winnipeg is tops in anything, right? You know, the Jets have had a couple of seasons where they were really good. There was one year where they frankly were the best team in the NHL, and that was 2017-2018. This team still has some work to do before they reach that level of sheer dominance, but I think you're seeing something that's as close to it as we've ever seen with any of the other seasons. 2014-2015, the Jets team was fun and like borderline elite, but not actually as deep as we wanted it to be. 2017-2018 was like the 2014 team on steroids. That was like the first time where I think we really saw this franchise truly take flight. And once again, the Jets are starting to do that. They're well on their way to being one of the best Jets teams we've ever seen. And, you know, it's really funny because this team is not doing it the same way. Um, that Jets team had an elite blue line, a great and super elite, you know, and very deep forward group, and also pretty strong goaltending. This year's team has a really elite defensive structure from the bottom up, right? The Jets forward group is deep. Uh, I don't know if like, I would compare it to that Jets forward group. I think it'd be a very interesting comparison if we were to look at what the Jets were rolling in 17-18 versus this one. I think it'd be very, very close. Maybe the 17-18 group wins out just because they had Stasny back then, but I mean, you know, this Jets team as it is right now would definitely hold their own against that group, but you think about the Jets' blue line and realize that Winnipeg's defense this year is a far cry from that group. We had like Truba, Bufflin, and Morrissey, and Enstrom as our top four back then. And the Jets have Morrissey, DeMello, uh, Dylan, and Pionk. And yet this Jets' defense has, frankly, limited chances against at a level that we've not really seen before. Uh, this team, you know, when you combine it with a shutdown third pairing in, you know, uh, Schmidt and Sandberg, really sucks the life out of opponents. You know, obviously there are moments where like maybe Pionk or Morrissey or DeMello misses a read, they make a high-risk play, and they might get punished on it. You know, generally speaking, it doesn't happen that often. But when it does, you know, Hellebuck has either, uh, you know, bailed them out or maybe the opponent is missed. Either way, though, for the most part, this Jets defensively team, this team defensively does not give you much at all. And it makes for one of the most um, lock-tight teams that I've seen 
uh, play in, in Winnipeg in forever. This team also has like waves of pressure that overwhelm opponents, wear them down, and eventually the Jets find a way to convert. So, you know, all, all of this to say that this feels like rarefied air for the Jets. This feels like a run that, I don't know, maybe it's the start of something special. You know, only the hockey gods know where this team finishes at the end of the year and what it's like once the Jets hit the playoffs. But I would say that, you know, for me personally, and probably for a lot of fans, this is the most I've been excited about Jets hockey in forever. It feels like, you know, 17, 18 all over again, where we were constantly seeing so much, so much good process on top of winning that it kind of felt like at times you got a little bit bored of the winning, right? When the Jets conceded a goal or made a mistake, you were like, oh, this is like the worst thing ever. But, you know, you were so used to the Jets being consistently excellent that even a minor slip up was like, wow, you know, they they finally made a mistake. They finally got punished. How is that possible? Right. That's how good this Jets team has been. And Winnipeg continues to show signs of improvement. Uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but like, you know, we, we saw in the game against the Oats, obviously the Jets did go 0 for 4 on the power play. That's not great. But the first couple of power plays, I noticed a lot more improvement in the puck movement. I thought the Jets created some really good shooting opportunities, and they came pretty close to scoring on at least one or two of those power plays. So, you know, this Jets team still has room for a lot of growth, and it seems like Winnipeg is interested in making a trade. I don't know yet uh, what's really going to be out there on the market that I would say the Jets should pursue. I think a lot of people have talked about Elias Lindholm, but I'd be honest, uh, and say that I'm not as interested in Lindholm as I think I would typically be. I think this year the Jets can maybe aim a little higher and perhaps get somebody with some term and control. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But, you know, I think my overriding message is you, you look at all of the stuff that the Jets have accomplished almost halfway through the season, enjoy it. Like, don't let the, the past memories of Jets teams spoil what has been one of the best runs that we've ever seen from a Jets team in any season. Winnipeg is on an absolute heater. They're starting to really gain notoriety amongst national media. Fans from other teams are talking crap and smack about us constantly because we're apparently living rent-free in other fan bases' heads. That's how good the Jets have been. Winnipeg is, uh, I guess, earning a an airport through this performance. It's great to see the Jets really uh, take flight. And all I can say is there is more in store for this Jets team. And I'm hoping that at the end of this year, we come home with a bit of a, a championship title under our belts. But still a long way before we get to there. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But I do want to spend some time talking and, and sort of talking about the timeline of this glow up and what has really contributed to this meteoric rise. There might even be a thank you, Pierre-Luc Dubois, there uh, in the end of this episode, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. The NFL regular season has now finished, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. For those of you who are perhaps fans of teams that didn't exactly do as well this season and are maybe a little more borderline for their playoff positioning and seeding, you know, maybe you're a little bit nervous and perhaps you weren't willing to place a $5 bet. But now you can. It's guaranteed win or lose to get $150 in bonus bets back, which is awesome. You know, for me as a Ravens fan, I didn't have to worry about that. But, you know, a lot of you are Vikings fans. Maybe you're even a Falcons fan. Lord help you if you've sat through Desmond Ritter football. I respect you beyond all hope. But you know what? 
no matter what, you get $150 in bonus bets back to use on live same game parlays. That's under the new Explorer tab. Parlays that are uh, most popular, which you can find on the Parlays tab or tab or hub, and and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com/lockedon and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much for rejoining us as we wrap up quickly tonight with uh, some final thoughts on what I have called the the glow-up, right? Now, I've mentioned a couple of things on Twitter uh, about this particular Jets run and how Winnipeg kind of got to this point, but let's kind of start last season, right? You know, obviously, Bones steps in. And immediately, you kind of got the sense that the Jets were going in a different direction. Bones had sort of like a fatherly mindset and seemed to bring a lot of good vibes. You know, players were happier. There was a general feeling like perhaps the old regime had sort of wrapped up and things were ready to change. You know, there was a changing of the guard with Wheeler perhaps on his way out. And things felt like they were starting to shift. And obviously, it did kind of sour towards the midway point. We all know how that that sort of went. But... In between there, the Jets brought in Nemesnikov and Niederreiter. Now, I think at the time, my reaction was that I was objectively happy about the trades, although I felt like Winnipeg was also sort of um, sending a message that they felt this was not quite the group to get it done, right? Niederreiter and Nemesnikov have been awesome, but like in the moment last season, right, you could sort of tell that there were guys like Timo Meyer. And really big, you know, uh, expiring free agents on the market who could potentially move the needle for the Jets. Meyer would have been, I think, one of the biggest acquisitions this Jets team has ever made. But Winnipeg ended up abstaining, and I think for a lot of a lot of us, we were like, you know, why have we sat back? Like this, this is a season where the Jets could potentially go deeper. You know, why wait and pump the brakes, especially with the uncertainty around Hellebuck and Shifley? And those questions persisted well into the offseason when there was a lot of uncertainty. You know, the Jets got eliminated early by Vegas. Vegas won the Stanley Cup. And the vibes were feeling not as strong as they did at the start of the season. But then, you know, throughout the weeks and and months, more and more it seemed like at least one of Shifley and and Hellebuck was going to stay. We didn't know who it was. My money was honestly more on Hellebuck than it was Shifley just because I felt like Comparatively speaking, right, Shifley was a guy who could go either way. But I felt like with Hellebuck, you had the best goalie in Jets history. You had a guy who honestly might struggle to find a big contract on the open market. There was a lot of hesitation from a lot of the teams that might have traded for him in, you know, potentially thinking about a longer term extension. Now, if you think about it now, every one of those teams are probably kicking themselves not thinking or thinking of how they could have made a clear offer and honestly secured the best goalie in the league. And I'm sure they would all love a time machine to go back and do it all over again. But you know what? It's their loss. They screwed themselves. The Jets are very much reaping the benefits, and I'm sure we're going to be reaping those benefits for a long while yet. But, you know, as the time, you know, as the time started to pass by, we started getting closer to the start of the season it felt like the Jets were uh, in a holding pattern. And then we got the surprise announcement of eight by eight and a half for both Mark and Connor, and that sort of changed everything, right? Then not long after that, you had the start of the season and Nita Ryder, you know, commits to signing for, you know, three years at four million per. Nemesnikov also re-signed for like two by two. 
the Jets one by one started filing in. You had Velarde extending for a couple of seasons, um, Sandberg signing for a couple of seasons. It felt like everything was starting to fall into place for a two-year window. And since then, you know, the Jets have really started to take flight. Now, some injuries have kind of uh, forced Bones to rearrange things. And as he's done so, he's found new combinations that have perhaps become some of Winnipeg's best lines ever. And I really hope that we see Ehler, Shifley, and, and, and Velarde together for the long term because those guys together, they absolutely cook. There's natural chemistry. They dominate possession. They dominate puck control. All the good stuff. But the Jets had to go through a lot of uncertainty and, you know, the, the single biggest thing that I think really changed this offseason was the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. And that's why I joked that I said there would be something about, um, you know, a thank you, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Without trading Dubois, this team would not be in the position that it's in. I don't even know if we'd have either of Hellebuck or Shifley extended had we not seen Dubois walk out the door. Ever since that happened, this team has been totally different. Uh, the whole vibes felt different. The trade seemingly brought in like a third of a forward group and you got Kupari, Ayafalo and Velarde. Velarde might already be the best player in the trade and you know Ayafalo and Kupari have certainly played roles uh, in a lot of Winnipeg's victories so you know after that everything just sort of turned and and the front office really has hit home run after home run after home run. Now what they do at the trade deadline could not only turn this into a home run but like a grand slam, right? You, you want to hit it out of the park and turn this team from being really elite into an unstoppable juggernaut. Because once you get to the playoffs, there's no guarantee that the best teams are always going to win. But you want to give yourself as many top chances as you can. Perhaps later this week, we'll talk about some potential trade options and who might legitimately be available. It's still very early to say. We're about a month away, I think, from really getting a good sense of it. But hey, always fun to talk again about potential trade targets. Maybe there's been a one or two additions since the last time we talked about it. And maybe Winnipeg is willing to make a bigger splash than we anticipate. But let me know how you feel about this team right now. Are the vibes great with you? Are you excited? Are you looking forward to the playoffs? Drop your thoughts and comments below uh, or at my social medias at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. As always, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. And as always, have a great night, and go Jets go!